0: Ryan. Hi, Spencer. What are you doing October 30th? I'm going to be in Los Angeles. Sick me too. At the
1: in c- the city of Los
0: Angeles. I'm going to be at the satellite talking about weird shit with you and Dave Stone and Ian Amerson and Lydia Eliza might even
1: show up. I was going to say, can I come? But you already said I'm going to be there. So that y'all know I'm going to be there. Hey, uh, we're doing our first live episode on the West Coast. It's in Los Angeles. It is October 30th. Uh, show starts at 8 p.m. Yep and uh, tickets are on sale right now. If you go to whatitpodcastcom slash LA, uh, Spencer's right, you can see us. We're going to do a full live episode taping there. Uh, Ian Stone, or er, Ian Stone. Dave Stone, Ian Abramson. That's the one, baby. The, those uh, those cats are going to be opening up opening up for us with some comedy. It should be a really fucking fun night. Also, after the show, we're going to be doing a live meet and greet hang session at a place oh, shit, yet to be but. determined. We'll let you know what that is at the live show. Uh, so go to whatifpodcast.com slash LA. Get your tickets. We need your support. We'd love to see your pretty, shining, weird faces. Uh, it should be a good time. Yeah. Let's start the show.
2: Hi, welcome to the What If podcast. Your host tonight is gonna be Spanker Wattenat and then uh, <laughs> Ryan Crapper <Papp>. <laughs> Enjoy.
1: <laughs> I like it when she makes fun of your name too. Uh-huh. It makes me feel better. Spanker Whatnot. Spanker spank Watnat, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. It was more Watnat than it was Wet, whatnot. Whatnat. All that and, what and that, What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Yeah, sore. How the frick are you? Hurting. I can't say how the frick are you. That's not in Sweary Boy's character. Well, we, we did threaten, we do what we want. We did threaten recently to uh, to try to do a no swears episode for uh, what if loves the kids. You know, huh? You know, Trick Daddy, Trick Love the Kids, mm. a la Trick Daddy, do a no swears what if episode that could be playable. All right, I'll see how far I can go today. No, 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 no. Yep, bro, we're talking about a very too late. <laughs> but I'm going to ruin it right away. Well, all right. <laughs> Why are you sore? Did you run a thousand miles today? Eleven. It's pretty, too many. It's pretty close to. It's too many. It's closer to a thousand than I've ever run. Mm. So there's that. It's too close to a thousand. <laughs> it's too close to. Gotta walk that back, but yeah, uh, you know the old the old legs are. I felt better. I biked 13 miles today. Sick, and my legs hurt. We should have gone like boxer trainer on it and me right run next to you. you. Yeah, dun, dun, dun.
0: like the cutscene cut scene from uh, Punch Out. Uh, oh, cut scene from Punch Out. It's okay. That's like a almost 30 year old reference. <laughs> okay, yeah.
1: Is that a movie I haven't seen? No, the Nintendo game. Oh, N64. Yeah, in between yeah. like every couple. Matches they
0: would show little Mac running behind the the fat dude on the bike. Okay, okay, in his, in his pink sweatsuit.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. sick. Yeah, wow. You have a very specific yeah, I'm not sure why. Played a lot of Punch I,
0: Out. I or? did actually. Yeah, okay, yeah. I but did not play a lot of Punch Twenty five years ago or so. <laughs> it's, it fucking stuck, but you know what? Very very few things stick in here, but when they do, they're usually useless. <laughs>
1: Are you really useless and, like, hyperbolically specific uh-huh. in the other direction? Yep. So specific as to be totally pointless. <laughs> proud of you. Hey. So that's what I got. I'm proud of you. Uh, well, congrats, man. You got to be, like, T-minus a couple weeks till you're your half. 21st of this month. 21st of this month. That's mm-hmm. three weeks away, bud. Nah, not even. Not just about. hmm Sick. Mm-hmm. That means I'm getting married in four. What's up? That's correct.
0: Let's go. I've reworked the uh, my my training schedule a little bit, so I don't have mm. to run ten in the middle of your bachelor party this weekend. <laughs> okay, is
1: that, <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> is that why you're not coming up till well, Friday? That would go
0: poorly for everyone. Is that why you're not coming up
1: till Friday? You're like, shit, I'm going to
0: run down here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to run up, run the whatever 150 miles north. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm leaving. I'm leaving tonight. Actually, I'll, I'll meet you guys just there on Friday. Grab a beer,
1: turn around, and be like, "All right, <laughs> oh, I'll see you guys on Monday."
0: <laughs> just go your ass right in back in the yard for a couple of hours. <laughs>
1: Somebody feed me. I'm Update, real tired.
0: update for our Patreon listeners. Uh, after we record that episode where I had slept for one hour. Hey. I slept for 12 hours on uh, on that evening. Let's go. 930 to 930.
1: Let's go. I was proud of myself. I haven't S- done that in a long time. That's pretty dope. It was great. God, I feel like I could lay down and sleep for 12 hours right now. I felt pretty good. Should we give good. people another update about the Patreon, about the voicemail we received? Uh, mm. What now? The voicemail we received after this week's Patreon related oh, to the topic from this week's patreon I don't think I saw that if, uh you, if we have a you, voicemail, did. you took a screen capture of it and sent it to me oh yeah <laughs> is that worth talking about I feel like sure, we should sure, tell everybody sure. so, okay so uh,
0: if you yeah if you are not on the patreon we gave an update on mad Mike Hughes the limo driver slash Daredevil correct uh and he's he's doing another thing where he's launching his dumbass into space on a uh on a water heater he found on Craigslist Mike you got to watch out, bud. Anyway, so we this is probably ruining our chances at interviewing him, but we uh <laughs> we hit up the contact form on his website on last week's Patreon.
1: We said we wanted to ask him about his uh his stunts and his tricks and where he's headed and his belief in the earth being flat.
0: Yeah, and he he called us back um within like an hour, I think. And and said they's down. Should we play it? Um or should we not play it? Yeah, whatever. I'll, let's see if I can find it. All right, here we go. I think this is, I think this is the one.
2: Oh, hey, it's Mad Mike Hughes. I just got your email. Um, yeah, I'm interested in doing something with you. You know, I and then check to see if my Skype account still current. I'm pretty low tech. Anyway, uh, nine. All right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, uh, right by my house, but. Um, 612 air code. It sounds I think
1: that's a phoenix air code if I remember right. False. Oh. Anyway, okay, give me a call, thanks. Sick. All right,
0: you, you want? I mean, should we just call him? Oh God! <laughs> we, should, no, we should. plan this out a little I better. I don't think we'll we can. do a little bit I of planning.
1: I don't think we can. Yeah. Well. All right. we'll, we'll do some planning. But anyway, uh, Mad Mike Hughes, the limo driver slash daredevil, potential, potentially a guest on the What If podcast. While potentially coming in to you here, here.
0: We got a couple other voicemails. Let's play a couple.
1: Speaking of, of the Patreon, really quick, if you didn't know. Uh we do two episodes a week. You're hearing one of the two episodes. The second episode of your week is on patreon.com slash what if podcast. I think this is such a dang neat show. If you want more of this dang neat show, you can just give us five bucks a month and you get double the what if. That's two episodes every week instead of just the one. Plus you get access to a back catalog of ninety some. I think it's over hundred episodes now. We've got who the heck knows live streams up there, links yeah. to soundboard stuff. Uh it's a pretty fun place. So just five bucks a month, patreon.com slash what if podcast. I forgot, have I cussed yet? I don't know. I for sure
0: have. Okay. I actually. If I did, I'm starting again now. No cussing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why? Why? Up, boys? We're back. Oh, we're climbing up steep oh.
1: cliffs. Hey, don't call okay. us while you're oh, climbing okay. steep cliffs. Okay, guys. We don't. We don't endorse. We, this we do behavior. not endorse dangerous activities while dialing us.
2: So we might go down. I'm in slides. <laughs>
1: I do endorse doing
0: dangerous what? activities in slide sandals though. I'm currently wearing slide sandals. Spencer is for sure wearing slides with socks right I now fuck with it. I spent all of last week wearing sweatshorts, slide sandals and tall socks. Never felt better. It's I get it, man. Just got to do it. You just got to
1: send it. You're finding your running speed as a person. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, really quick. Sorry. Uh, I don't know what prompted this call. I'm sure we'll get more details. We could play it. And more find details. Out. Yeah. But just the opening of we're climbing a steep cliff in slides right now as an open, pretty Ho- strong. Hopefully they saw a UFO. Let's see.
2: Also, I was listening to your podcast about the first UFO encounter. And. Betty and Marty about The Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've never listened to them, so I don't know how they are. Mm. But a-
0: God bless you. Keep it that way. <laughs> a
2: lot of me wants to say that they're good. Just to go against Spencer My Yes friend, Fair um, Appreciate you So I love you Spencer of course Love you too but also it's fun to You know That
0: I know mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it
2: shit. This is a now <laughs> Earlier when we called The second we hung up I slipped down the hill oh, I no. wish I caught that Because that was fucking hilarious <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna make this man But If we die Please. Like I'm saying it was definitely alien.
0: <laughs> I like that there are multiple people on this phone call. For also. sure, there are. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Have a good day, boys. Listen to some Red Hot Chili Peppers. Love you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Love you too. That's fucking
0: incredible. I was uh, upstairs, so I was in South Carolina recording a record last week. Yes. I was. It's a situation where like main floor is house, upstairs is studio. Yes. So I'm upstairs. And I hear this, I have the door open and I hear music coming from downstairs and it's Red Hot Chili Peppers, California Yes. And I came downstairs and Toki Wright is standing in the kitchen, making us all dinner because God bless that man. Yeah. Blasting the heck out of some Red Hot
1: Chili Peppers. Did you, like, I know you have a lot of respect for that man. Did that impact your take at all?
0: Uh, No, I told him to change it. And he told me to uh, frick off. Yeah, and yeah, Kept listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers while cooking me dinner, and I was like, you know what, you're
1: right. Good. I'm gonna go back to mixing your record, and making <laughs> you sound good. <laughs> you you make me some some dope uh, some dope mashed potatoes. Yep. I'm gonna go make some dope Yo, records. That's crazy. That is actually what he was making. Fuck off. Are you serious? Stop swearing, bro. Why? Frick off. No, I'm doing heck, it, man. Heck off. I'm doing it all I want. <laughs> yeah, he actually was. It's was, my
0: favorite part of the show. He was boiling some taters and mashing them up. Bro, how did I
1: know that? Dude. Should I go buy a lottery ticket? Probably. Fuck. Hey. I'm scared. <laughs> no, yeah, we really didn't talk about that. Of all the foods in the whole wide world. Uh-huh. Crazy. All right. Let's have, talk about... Uh, do we have another one?
0: Oh, I mean, we got a bunch.
1: I let's don't know. Play, let's play one or two more. All right.
0: Hey guys, it's Alan from Florida. I just subscribed to your Patreon. Thank you. I'm not that far in, but you just sent out a call for people to subscribe to your Patreon to give you a call. Uh, so Safe. I'm doing that. I don't know if you're still calling people back because again, I'm very behind. But if you call me back, that'd be rad as hell. <laughs> I'm trying to bring back. I'm trying to bring back rad. I don't know how successful I'll be. I say rad. But, don't worry.
2: Um, love you, bye.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Should we call Alex?
0: <laughs> I, I've got 10,000 things that I have mm. want to get to this week All right, to a point where it could be two parts, but I don't want to do four weeks of UFOs in a row, so we'll call hey. Alan back on the Patreon. Let's talk about UFOs.
1: We could do four weeks. Well, we'll see how UFOs. it goes. I
0: always try and cram it in, and then it never ends up working, but I'm going to try.
1: Guys, guess what we're doing this week. You probably know because you already hit play on this episode, and you saw the title we are doing the OGist We're catching up on all the classics bud. of OG classics. How do we go 150 episodes of a show that talks about aliens most of the time without ever talking about without Roswell ever talking about Roswell?
0: I don't know I do not know I
1: was uh,
0: I was reading so I read Stanton Friedman's book. another I've read two Stan yes. Friedman books in the last couple of weeks. God bless you and him. Uh, Crash at Corona. Oh, is that the name of it? Yeah. Mm, that's not Roswell. And I well, you know, it's it's 70 miles adjacent. Yeah. And I was at my in-laws' house and my father-in-law was like, "What are you reading?" I started telling him about it. Turns out he used to live at Roswell Air Force Base when he was a kid.
1: Fuck out of here.
0: Not in the 1940s, unfortunately, but I knew so his his dad, <sighs> my uh grandfather-in-law. Yeah. I'll allow it. Was a a, a surgeon, and they bounced around to, uh, like, 10 or 12 different Air Force bases when he was a kid. Bro, that's crazy. And he spent, I think he said it was, like, a year and a half or two years at Roswell. Damn. Mm -hmm.
1: This would have been mm, late 50s, early 60s, but... you know, if we wanted to start a hoax, this would be a really good time for you to continue what your father-in-law said about his time at Roswell. Mm. Well, sorry. When you interviewed him, did he say... How
0: many aliens he saw? That he clapped them cheeks. Gross. What? It's maybe my least favorite part of that whole meme. Mm. It's pretty good. Mm. Is it? <laughs> anyway... um. I've read, yeah, Crash of Corona, okay. which is Stanton Friedman and Don Berliner's book. Okay. There's also uh, The Day After Roswell, written by Philip J. Corso mm. and William Burns. Mm. Have you ever, on the early seasons of Ancient Aliens, the dude with the, uh, he's always got like the transitions lenses on? Bro, they all have transitions lenses. Wow. Well, Anyway, that's, this that's Philip Corso, Bill,
1: no, Bill Burns, William Burns, Oh, uh, William. I'm going to look up a picture right now. I didn't
0: get too far into that book uh, because in the introduction, it says, quote, the military found itself fighting a two front war, one against the communists and one against the extraterrestrials. That didn't happen. So we used the extraterrestrials own technology against them, feeding it to our defense contractors and then adapting it for use in space related defense systems. It took us until the 80s, but in the end, we were able to deploy enough of the strategic defense initiative, Star Wars, to achieve the capability of knocking down enemy satellites, killing electronic guidance systems, and disabling enemy spacecraft. It was alien technology that we used, lasers, accelerated particle beam weapons, and aircraft equipped with stealth features. And in the end, we not only outlasted the Soviets and ended the Cold War, but we forced a stalemate with the extraterrestrials, who were not so invulnerable after all. Bro, yeah, I didn't make it very far into that one, bro. Mm-hmm. Can All you right. return books to Amazon? Um, <laughs> Ebooks?
1: No, no, I got the I got the paperback. Oh, oh I thought you meant like, can you? As this, in, like, can I look send at this, this
0: thick boy of just total nonsense?
1: What? Yeah. All right, let me see this really quick. I know I go off on this rant regularly, so I will do a very abbreviated version of it right now. How are you allowed? To say the paragraph <laughs> you just said in the that's on page Introduction it's on page four of a book <laughs> And people there are, are like 300 pages after that that paragraph. This is a fucking Simon and <laughs> Schuster book, dude Simon and Schuster some fucking editor at Simon another and Schuster day, another beer. Yeah, read that and was like fuck it ship it bro looks it's good to me yeah. This this works no, it doesn't. But it did. I guess. I, bought it. I just, you my, can't my butt say butt something it. that, dumb butt, get that <laughs> shit out of here, Don. You can't say something so outrageously unsubstantiated. Oh my god.
0: Bro. <laughs> just open to a random page. F- yeah, hit, hit him with it. Hit him f- with it.
1: This is page uh, this is not this is still in the Roman numerals. We're just past oh, the acknowledgments. And the quote him. on the page is from Davey fucking Crockett. <laughs> and the quote is be sure you're right, then go ahead. Dang, that's just science. <laughs> is there ever been a more outrageous just gonna send it? Or like still gonna send it than that? <laughs> You guys, silly! I'm still gonna say it. Yeah, you. like Davy Crockett. Be sure you're right, then go ahead. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, we we're in a we we're in a space war uh with fucking alien <laughs> technology, and uh that's how it all happened. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm gonna go ahead and ship this book through Simon <laughs> and Schuster. Boop here. Oh my fucking god! Right, so this we're, is We're not outrageous. gonna We're not gonna focus
0: on that one. But if you're looking for a Roswell book, don't buy that one. Or if you want to read it, I'll send it to you because I don't want it.
1: Anyway, I'm going to take this and I'm going to highlight every lie in here and then I'm going to send <laughs> I'm going to send him She's going to like pour a bunch of highlighter
0: fluid into a bowl and dip
1: it, it. <laughs> And then mail it back to him yeah. Dear will, Dearest William I have highlighted the lies in your book. Oops, everything.
0: Big trash. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, those those two books. And then uh, there's a documentary called Roswell 70 Years Later from our guy Nick Redfern. All right. That's available yes. on Amazon Prime for free. Was he wearing something cool in it? Uh, he had a cool hat on. Yeah, and like so. a sick black beanie. Sounds like Nick Redfern. And uh, UFO secret, the Roswell crash, the best evidence which is a, a nice, like, late 80s, early 90s produced mm. documentary, also available Ooh. for free on Amazon Prime. Is
1: that a... They it, they really send it, too. Is but that in a 4-3 ratio? Oh, yeah. Sick. Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah.
0: So uh, let's just start with what may have
1: allegedly happened. Let's start at the very beginning.
0: This It's a little tough to summarize all of it because the story evolved over the last... Uh, Whatever it is, 60 some years. Yeah. But no, math is hard. 72 years. On July 4th ish of 1947, which was about two weeks after Kenneth Arnold's UFO sighting.
1: Which, which is, one is Kenneth Arnold?
0: That is uh, widely thought, widely reported as the first like modern UFO sighting. He was the dude who was flying his airplane and saw a bunch of silvery discs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. uh, Led to the coining of the term flying saucer. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Yeah.
0: I remember this. So two weeks after that, there was an especially severe thunderstorm in the desert around Roswell, New Mexico. And uh, a rancher named Mac Brazel went out to survey his property after the storm. Sick name. He lived about 70 miles north of Roswell. And he was just checking for storm damage, making sure his animals were okay, et cetera.
1: Doing the rounds. Yeah.
0: And while he's doing that, he comes across some debris in a field that he can't identify. And he said it was spread out about uh, a length of about three quarters of a mile and a width of a couple hundred yards. So there's this long strip, basically, of, of debris. Got it. Uh, the material that he found included a very thin but extremely strong metallic foil. So, like aluminum foil, but strong enough that you can't rip or tear or cut into it. Okay. But still malleable, like aluminum foil. Okay. Or they said lead foil, which is, I guess, a thing that people were doing out here in the 40s. <laughs> Hope your cows didn't eat it, bud. Uh, he also found some I beams, like support beams, with some sort of writing on them, which some people have described as being hieroglyphic in nature, not like an alphabet, but symbols and images. When you or say geometric s-
1: shapes. When you say some people, do you mean the guy that found it? Well,
0: here's the thing. Most of this information is second or third at best hand information. Sure. So we don't have a lot of quotes from Mac Brazel, for for instance. We have quotes from his son or someone who heard from someone that he saw this or sure. there's there's very little, well, there's no physical evidence and there's very little even direct uh, eyewitness accounts of this stuff. mm Partially because it happened seventy years ago, we didn't have Twitter. Well, and anyone who was in a professional adult role of any kind in 1947 is probably dead.
1: Oh well, that too. Yeah, but also we didn't have like the documentation right stuff so that he, we have today. He
0: finds this allegedly finds this thin, strong metal foil, eye uh, beams with some sort of hieroglyphic or geometric symbols on them. And a material that he said looked like parchment paper, but couldn't be torn, ripped, cut. So it was also extremely strong, but very thin and Uh, paper-like. Never mind. Okay. He, (laughs) (laughs) He takes some of this material to the sheriff to see if they can identify it, and they can't. So the sheriff then contacts the nearby Roswell Airfield the Army Airfield. Because the Air Force didn't exist yet in 1947, it turns out.
1: Really? Uh-huh. I don't really? remember what year it was. Yeah. So the Army was all of ground and air?
0: Yeah. Mm. So it was Roswell Army
1: Airfield at the time. But
0: anyway, the sheriff calls them thinking it may, might be something related to or belonging to them or that they could at least figure out what it is better than the sheriff could. Hey, did you lose something? Right. So they don't know at least from the phone call in the description, what it is. So they send uh, two guys out to check it out. One is major Jesse Marcel. He's the dude, if you've ever seen the Roswell photo of uh, holding up the debris, he's like crouching down he's and like holding up the like shiny. Like kneeling and fo- the, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. him. And uh, another officer named Cavitt, who we don't have a first name for, but C-A-V-I-T-T. Okay. They drive out to Brazel's property about 70 miles from the base to check out this stuff. And he they've been told by Brazel that there's a bunch more of it just
1: laying out in his field. And do we know, had he, had he like collected every piece of it he could find at this point or did he just find it in his field and go like, y'all should come look at your shit out here?
0: Yeah. He picked up some of it and then brought it in to the sheriff, but there was still way more out in his field. Got it. Um, when Marcel and Cavett got there, they noticed that there was not an impact crater of any kind, and the stuff seemed somewhat or like fairly evenly distributed across this area. Yep. So they determined that something must have either broken up before it hit the ground, like something exploded in midair and this was the debris that had been blown or scattered somehow. Right. Or that whatever this thing that crashed was was very light. So it wouldn't have caused like a deep impact into the ground. It would have just sort of shredded once it started. Would have been something moving relatively things. fast to have been spread over that much area, but something light enough to not make a crater of any kind.
1: Sensible, yeah.
0: They packed up most of the stuff into their two vehicles and brought it back to the base. Okay. The story goes, according to Friedman, at least that. That stuff was then shipped to Wright
1: Patterson in Dayton, Ohio. Yes. And this is where official what of correspondent DJ names family lived for a little while. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, he
0: he lived on that base for a while, as did uh uh Sophia Arris.
1: Why do all of our friends and family live on famous they went alien to, bases? They went to school together at Wright-Patterson for Bro, a while. Oh, what if everyone who's connected to us <laughs> is just an alien and they're watching They're all plants. They're plants Damn because it. they know we're talking about this Damn shit. Damn it. Fuck. We've been had.
2: <laughs> run! Run for your life!
0: Uh, all right. So some of the stuff allegedly went to Wright-Patterson in Ohio. Uh, this is now July 6th or 7th-ish. The dates vary
1: depending on the account. I saw that, too. I saw, like, some, like, in one version of it, I saw that he said he had first noticed something in his field as early as, like, June 14th or something like that. Oh, really? I haven't seen but that. Then, but then somebody was like, oh, yeah, but then he, it was corrected later that it was actually early July. I don't know.
0: Okay. Uh, everything that I've read is... Puts it somewhere between, like, July 4th and the 8th. So, some of this stuff starts coming out through the press around the 7th or 8th. Um, On the 8th, the Roswell Daily Record, which was the local newspaper, runs a story on the front page of the paper with the headline, Roswell Airfield Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. Bro. Big... If true. (laughs) Well, and this is based on a press release from the base. And in the article, it reads, quote, the intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that they have come into possession of a flying saucer. So they sent out an actual press release saying, we found a flying saucer out in the desert, and now we have it.
1: So... My question about this is... Jesus. Where did... Punch the shit out of my microphone. (laughs) He's getting excited. We're getting revved up over here. I swore. Is that right? 25 minutes. Ass. Ass. Eat pant. Eat pant. (laughs) Carry on. Um, Was this... So we talked about the... um, the Kenneth Artle sighting being the one that sort of coined the term flying saucer. Yeah, he he said something
0: like, it looks like something skipping across. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he described them in a way that then a news article about it called them flying saucers, and then that stuck. Okay. I guess my
1: question is, like, who's reckless ass on this Army base? allowed a term that was not like, I mean, it it doesn't mean anything at the time, right? Well,
0: I had a hard time finding context around just how well-known this topic would have been at the time. Okay. Like Like, how big of a deal was the Kenneth Arnold sighting? Was that a national news story? Oh, sure. And that enough so that two weeks later, people would have... Uh, related this
1: to that story, but like they couldn't have come up with that term independently, right? So it—I mean—it had to have infected them somehow. So jump—we can jump ahead a little bit, I guess.
0: Uh, if you look at it, well, either a they both saw or and or captured real Craft from another planet. Yes. Kenneth Arnold saw them. Two weeks later, the army captured one. Right. Or the army is using this as a cover story for whatever is actually going on, trying to capitalize on the recent uh, public interest in flying saucers and the like. Right.
1: Right. But like, but if the army itself is releasing a press release with the phrase flying saucer in it, yeah, that's not the press trying to capitalize. That's like... No, no, I'm, I'm saying I, the army may have
0: been in an attempt to create a cover story for whatever was actually going on. As in, this will catch on in the press and distract because it's been in the news lately and it's on people's minds in a way that will distract from what we're actually doing. Mm. If we can convince a bunch of people that it's aliens, then they won't worry about whatever we're doing. You know, which then, to be fair, the next day they released a second press release claiming that it was just from a weather balloon. So it, they also acknowledged that they goofed.
1: Is it one not way or the other. potentially the ultimate irony in the history of all of this stuff that the possibility is that everyone thinks the government is covering up UFOs, and the reality is that the government decided to use the concept of UFOs to cover up everything else. Uh, There's absolutely some of that happening. For
0: sure. There are documented instances of that, and we'll probably talk about a couple... In this episode but, but isn't
1: that just like a phenomenal and ultimate irony that everyone's like what's the government really hiding they said it was a flying saucer but then they said it was a weather balloon I bet it was a flying saucer and they're trying to cover it up now and they're like no well, because now you're never gonna guess that it's a third thing right yeah. exactly yeah. You're, you're not gonna know that this was a balloon from project whatever mogul or yeah. mogul is that right yeah. This is a balloon from Project Mogul with an audio recorder on it, listening to Soviet Union atomic bomb detonations from hundreds of, or hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. And yeah, like, yeah.
0: Right. Which is, I think, you know, to skip ahead to the the end of this whole episode, probably what was actually happening. But anyway, they put out a a press release saying it's a flying saucer. The next day they put out another press release saying, just kidding, it's a weather balloon that crashed. Now, a lot of the reason that this has caught on or got reinvigorated later is because the weather ex- weather balloon explanation doesn't make a ton of sense. Mac Brazel had found and returned weather balloons on his property before. Oh, that's interesting. So if he found a weather balloon, he's not going to call the sheriff and say, I don't know what this is. After he's found several of them before and brought them back to the base. He's
1: going to say WTF, mate.
0: He's just going to pick it up and bring it back because they paid people to bring them back. Right. Oh, did they
1: really? Yeah. Because oh.
0: they want, if you don't get them back, you don't get any of the information from them. Right. So they would, yeah. They, I
1: see. So he's not going to go, what the fuck is this? He's going to go, oh, sick. I just made another 50 bucks.
0: Right. Also, weather balloons don't spread out over three quarters of a mile. They're not that big. Right. The balloons in Project Mogul were, but, uh, Hmm. but I think that's what really muddied the waters is that at that point, it became apparent that the military was lying about at least some aspect of this. Right. And then they had already put out the flying saucer bit. So people like they're lying and there's something about a flying saucer now there's some weird shit. Lit. I'm cussing. Fuck it.
1: Fuck it. We are the sweary Just boys. Just gonna
0: send it. Uh, Mac brezel was also uh, again, allegedly taken into military custody for a week. Which, if we're assuming is true, there's again very little to no documentation of almost all of this. It, it could support Either side of this story, either the side of there was really an alien spacecraft that crashed and they needed a week to either debrief him or brainwash slash reprogram him or (laughs) uh, make him an offer convincing enough to never talk about aliens for the rest of his life. Right. Or if we're going the, this was a secret project mogul related, uh, crash or one of these balloons that was spying on the Soviets that no one knew about. Well, now he knew about it. And not only did he know about it, he had pieces of it in his possession so, for an amount of time that they weren't sure of. He right. could have had it for weeks before he brought it to anyone's attention. Right. They don't know what he knows. You yeah. got to find out what he knows, and you got to convince him to shut the fuck up about it without actually telling him what's going on at the same time. Right.
1: Like, they don't know that if, if the Project Mogul Balloons had audio recorders on them, potentially with, you know, I mean. Could, you got to figure
0: out what he knows. Yeah. yeah.
1: And if he actually knows some
0: stuff, then you got to convince him that he either doesn't know stuff or you got to give him enough money to not tell anyone about the stuff he knows. Right. Um. Okay. <clears throat> That's like the, the earliest version of the story. Word. Sort of stops there. This happened in 47. Right. And it went away pretty quickly. There was the story on the 7th or 8th, and then the, story, the follow-up story the next day saying, just kidding, weather balloon. And most people just dropped it. I think partially because we were two years removed from the end of World War II, if the government tells you, especially in a town that is, I think a third of the people living in Roswell at one point worked for the government or military. Oh, that's wild! I didn't know that. That base, or the base, closed at one point, and uh, a third of the population of Roswell left overnight. Damn, that's wild. Um, but anyway, if you live, you know, near an air force base you just won World War Two. there are right. things flying through the sky, and the military says, we got this covered, don't worry about it, you're probably not going to worry about it. Right. Especially right. if given the extremely mundane explanation of a weather balloon. It's not even military-related. We're just checking, we're checking the weather. We're checking yeah. the forecast.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got enough faith in that.
0: Yeah. So the story didn't really pop up again until the 80s When people started writing about it. And that seems like the point where a lot of the extra stuff enters the story in terms of actually recovering a UFO and recovering both living and deceased aliens. Let's fucking
1: go. (laughs) What do we know what? resuscitated this story in the 80s like was there a moment or an individual there was a uh, there was
0: a book written by uh william moore and charles berlitz who also wrote that wild ass philadelphia experiment book that we talked about way back when oh jesus which was full of
1: extremely suspect uh reporting, I guess, to be generous. I'm fairly certain that's the first episode we ever did where we put, we we said, we're going to start the episode mm-hmm. with an allegedly quote and we're going to close it with an allegedly so quote. So those
0: guys brought it back in 1980 with a book uh, called, I think it was just called like the Roswell Incident or something like that. William Burns, uh, not William Burns, uh, William Moore also got caught up in the whole disinformation stuff that was going on in the eighties with mm. um Paul Benowitz yep. and Richard Mira-
1: Doty. Mirage Man.
0: Yeah. So Moore got stuff from Doty and others. Oh, sick. And eventually got uh realized he had been had and like left the UFO field by the end of the eighties because he was putting stuff out there that was intentionally given to him to distribute to other UFO enthusiasts to mislead them about things. Uh, so that's how this story got reborn is through that guy. That's, and that's the point. As far as I can tell when aliens and actual UFOs being recovered, enter the narrative. Interesting. I And then since then, every few years, somebody writes another book about it. Okay. Friedman's book was 92, I think. That Burns and Corso book was like early 2000s. There are a couple others, but.
1: Do we know, like, I know that all of these stories have had a pretty um, significant impact on the city of Roswell as a whole, like it is a mecca at this point. Mm -hmm. Do we know, was that, evolving in the city previous to the 80s or was it more of like Mm. like did the elevated intensity versions of these stories that came out later yeah were they the ones that had that like impact on so in the one of the
0: documentaries i watched the uh, roswell 70 years later one yeah they actually start the film by interviewing the mayor of roswell oh that's cool and he mentions the the base or a base I don't know if it was Roswell like the Roswell Air Force base but a base or maybe that base closed I think he said in 67 or 68 or something and that's when a third of the population left and he actually credits the tourism based on the UFO and alien stuff as like with helping them survive economically wow and transitioning to a more tourism-based economy out of necessity almost or
1: not almost out of necessity so it's it it had historically been in everyone's best interest to uh turn that knob a little bit play higher. it up yeah buy yeah, into yeah, yeah. It. yeah. that's that, that's his take at least i mean he's got a pretty viable take right. as the fucking mayor right also that, that
0: interview is now whatever Twenty some years old, but
1: but still,
0: I mean, if he, I mean, or no. no, just kidding. Seventy years later, that's only a couple of years old. I'm getting my two docs confused. Oh, okay.
1: Seventy years after forty-seven would be two thousand seventeen. Right. Is he the current mayor, or he was a mayor? Don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let's come on. Yep. Yep. No, we're good. We're good. Uh, all right. So
0: aliens and UFOs start showing up a man named Grady Barnett claims that he saw the actual craft and was perhaps the first person to find this craft. He was a field engineer for the U S soil conservation service. Okay. And was working out in the desert when he found a metallic, he said a quote, large metallic object stuck into the ground. And Some alien bodies hanging around it. Bro, you can't just... I have a quote from him. Please let me hear it. They were like humans, but they were not humans. The heads were round, the eyes were small, and they had no hair. The eyes were oddly spaced. They were quite small by our standards, and their heads were larger in proportion to their bodies. Their clothing seemed to be one piece and gray in color, and you couldn't see any zippers, belts, or buttons. They seemed to be all males, and there were a small number of them. And this is from... This is from a dude named Grady Barnett who claims to have been working out in the field for the U.S. Soil Conservation Service when he saw a UFO with some aliens around it. What year, though? Well, he claims this happened in forty-seven. But what year is the quote from them? Though? I don't know. Okay. Is it a quote? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Is Grady a real person? Did somebody at some point put those words in quotations and attribute it to a guy named Grady?
1: Yes. Yes. That's about yes, all we can did. defend if I, Okay. Say I, I know this is mad stupid, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. Great. <laughs> um, I'm excited. <laughs> I, you know, I think about these stories just in the most recent context we have of the hypothetical version of Roswell that is a top secret intelligence related, like international geopolitical weapon of either investigation or intelligence or defense or whatever Mm -hmm. crashes in a field. You lie about it once to create a, uh, like a trope story, right? Like a thing that connects to all the other things. And then you, create another story on top of that story to make it look like you're trying to hide that second story or someone genuinely
0: goofed and was like, I know we'll put out a UFO story. And then someone else was like, that's a terrible idea. Let's just tell them it was a weather balloon. Yeah. And hope that that one sticks and people forget about the
1: UFO one. Right. But like, regardless, I feel like what I'm thinking about in particular right now is all the stuff that's being leaked quote unquote or whatever through uh, to the stars mm. and thinking about it as
0: like, man, the more and more I think about that stuff and we can't get into it. Cause I'll, it'll take the rest of this episode. Let's go. The more and more I hear from them, the more it seems like it is a military based disinformation thing. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. They have a bunch of military ties Elizondo is all you know all up in there yeah they're constantly referring to things as threats and about how dangerous
1: everything is yeah and like what would make more sense than if let's say hypothetically speaking there are defense projects and U.S. government projects that are graduating past what we understand technologically today as right. it relates to drones they, they and always are they always are right
0: we, uh, i mean that's the the military is consistently
1: whatever there's a, a tr- there's a couple a, decades ahead of us Yeah, i was gonna say there's a truism it's like 20 yeah. like what what we're getting now the military had 20 years ago or whatever it is
0: mm.
1: but like it there's we can, a very, we can only
0: develop technology and justify spending money on it on it if we can kill, kill people, people with, with it. it exactly mm.
1: But there's like this interesting element of all that stuff that's happening right now, where it's like, is that what's happening? Are there are there things that are happening that they're trying to put a framework around them? And does it? Are you saying is that what To the Stars is doing? Uh or is that what was happening in '47 at Roswell, or both? I'm saying both. Yeah. I'm drawing parallels between yeah. what's happening today and what was happening then. And I mean, with-
0: we we know that it was happening at. Most, if not all points in between,
1: right. So why so, would it not be happening why before not? and after? yeah, for sure. and with the two the star stuff specifically, I think my, you know, like we we see the word patsy a lot, but is there a better Patsy than Tom Delong?
0: No, because he he has I don't think he I genuinely don't think he realizes what he's doing right. I think he's just so over the top enthusiastic all in, yep, that you could tell him, I mean, he believes literally everything that he's told. Right. Regardless of the source or the information, he's just, he wants to believe all of it and he wants to be totally
1: uh, the person at the forefront of it. And it makes me think about, I remember in the, uh, in the first meltdown episode we did with Rob, where we talked about the interview that Tom did with Joe Rogan about the story of like the airport Denny's. I think it was where yeah. Tom says he got approached in in a, in a, Denny's in a fucking airport by someone who said, "I've got, I need to talk to you about something." You know,
0: man, I was just—I um, don't remember where. The, anyway, the the Paul Benowitz, uh, William Moore, Richard Doty stuff. Yeah, yeah. I always met them in like well-trafficked
1: restaurants. Interesting. It made them feel like they were top secret or something. I don't know, or if it was just like. Uh,
0: Cover by being—I I don't know. Yeah, hi, don't know. hiding something in plain sight, kind of situation. Sure. I don't—I don't know what the angle is, but I just just put that together for the first time of that weird little like yeah. consistency throughout.
1: That's interesting, because the the thought that I was just having was I remember in that episode being like, "Bro, you're a fucking liar. Like, you're just inventing shit." And
0: I, and now I don't think he, I don't think he's lying, man. I don't, I just think he's like, he's in some shit that
1: is above his pay grade. And that's the, the first time, the first time that I have had a different take right now is, Oh, maybe they just said, if we pull Tom to aside into Denny's and tell him that we're top secret agents and we have information for him, he's going to like fucking be in it forever. Who wouldn't preach? Right. You and I would both be like, I'll hear you out. I'm I'm going to go
0: listen at least. And if you show me something convincing, I'm going to have a hard time just putting it away and calling bullshit. Right. Like and there's got to be some, especially if you're already into this shit. And like when you're, when you're actively investigating and spending your own money and like committed to the level that all of these people that have been yeah. used in that way are, your curiosity has got to be insurmountable at that point. Totally. hundred percent. When you've committed so much time and- money and energy to finding out a truth and someone presents you with something that could be that
1: truth I don't know if you can ignore it and it's someone who legally is allowed to flip open a badge that says and lie to your face (laughs) yeah flip open an air force badge and a manila envelope with fucking photoshopped photos in it shut the whole thing and say this never happened right like that's completely legal for them to do and totally fuck up your brain and you walk out of a Denny's in the fucking Newark, New Jersey airport and you're like yeah. holy freaking shit buddy. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess my my mind so frequently has been people invent more of this than than they even maybe personally realize and I think just just in this short meditation on Roswell it's like maybe the government has so much more uh they get so much more value out of actually doing these little things with little people all Dude, the time. I guarantee you they were
0: government employees at contact in the desert. You think so? Yeah. To what end? Awareness, if nothing else, like just keeping keeping tabs on what the kooks are saying? Sure. Because every once in a while, I'm sure somebody gets something right just by accident. Yeah. Well. Also, yeah. Maybe control that narrative a little bit. Feeding them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with all this government whistleblower shit, like with Wilcock and some of those goofballs. Yeah. They always have these anonymous inside sources that they trust a thousand percent, and then he goes and repeats that stuff to a room full of three thousand people, four or five thousand people.
1: And what's better than if you feed them something super small, super occasionally, that gives them the tiniest modicum of credibility? Well, some of it's got to be right, too. Exactly. Part of the
0: idea is, like, some of the information has to be genuine, and then the other 80%
1: is bullshit. But then you go spew the bullshit... And the bullshit isn't provable, but the 20% you were right about is enough for people to go, and, they know something I don't. But
0: also that 20%
1: that's right gets discredited because it's mixed in with 80% bullshit. So people like you and I look at them and go, fucking- It's all bullshit. Fucking whatever. Yeah. Crazy.
0: Dude, Doty used to go to MUFON conferences and shit and just sit in the audience. I
1: remember that from the Mirageman uh, documentary. And like, didn't he get called out occasionally for being- yeah. like People recognized him and-
0: yeah. I'm sure that that's happening and I'm sure they've gotten better at it in the last 70 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, preach. <laughs> Especially in a day and age where it's not I mean, when did the when did the happen? uh I think that was when stuff happen? Was the 80s. Yeah, so like speaking of my comment earlier, like they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have private messaging right. or fucking forums or Reddit or 4chan or whatever. part
0: part of what they were doing too is working with multiple investigators researchers ufo enthusiasts whatever yeah and giving them all the same bullshit because the only way to like confirm this stuff was with each other right and so if they were all coming to the same conclusions about something well then that's probably right and that's what's going to get disseminated to everyone else right who looks to those people for information about this shit because it wasn't accessible in the ways that it is now right But also now, the information that's accessible on the internet and other places is still filled with all of that. Right. Anyway, back to the story, because we're almost an hour into this shit.
1: hey Um,
0: Real quick, before we get to that, this week's episode is sponsored by Pessimists Archive.
2: Ooh!
0: Yeah! I like it already! It's a fun, funny, high-energy history podcast about why people resist new things. Oh, I resist all the new things. Why are we scared of new shit? I hate change. <laughs> In each episode, they look at the moment that something new was introduced, something that today we think of as commonplace, like recorded music, ooh, umbrellas. We make that. We use bikes, those.
1: We use those. Cars. Yep. Coffee. The
0: elevator. We drink those. And they try I hate and, elevators. God, I drink so many elevators. <laughs> and they try and understand why it freaked everybody out. Uh, I recently listened to their episode about comic books and it was fucking awesome. Oh, that's tight. They have great information. It's super well produced and it's super engaging. So go listen to Pessimist Archive wherever you get podcasts.
1: Oh, I get podcasts on all kinds of places and I'm going to listen to Pessimist Archive on all of the places. Yeah. Get some. Back to the spaceships. Grady
0: Barnett claims to have seen the UFO with aliens around it. Bodies, big heads, gray suits, no zippers. Right. Big... Metal slab stuck into the ground. Sick. Another gentleman by the name of Gerald Anderson claims that he saw a crashed craft and aliens around it when he was six years old. He described seeing a silver circular object stuck into the ground at an angle. And next to it, out like outside of the ship but next to it, were two dead aliens and one live one. Oh. The live one was apparently injured and was very scared of him. He was with his brothers and his dad. He Whoa. Thinks. The alive alien was injured and very scared of them. Okay. They tried to communicate with it and were obviously unable to. Sure. And his uh, his uncle touched his shoulder at
1: one point, the alien's shoulder. Okay. Yeah, he's trying to comfort the little guy. Did he tap? Did, was it a tap tap or like, come here, bud? Yeah, it's okay, buddy. So, sorry about Sorry, sorry about, about your friends. Sorry about your friends in yeah, your car. Yeah.
0: Uh, there's also a gentleman named Glenn Dennis who was a mortician in Roswell in the 40s. That was some very strong names Glenn in Dennis? this story. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn Dennis. Uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: Mac, uh, Mac Brazel. Yeah. <laughs> well, Oof. yeah.
0: He was a mortician in Roswell and he worked at a funeral home that had a contract with the Roswell Airfield. Yep. Dennis claims that on July 9th or maybe the 10th, Again, the dates are just all fucky on this whole thing. Right. He got several phone calls, like, back-to-back from a mortuary officer at Roswell Airfield asking him very specific questions about small caskets and specifically hermetically sealed ones. And then another call asking him about the decomposition rates of tissue that had been in the sun for a few days. And then the best way to preserve tissue. What? Now, Glenn at least has done interviews and gone on the record saying this stuff. And it's come directly from him. So it's not like a, I heard from my dad who talked to a guy in a bar once who said this. there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glenn
0: has gone on camera and told this story from a firsthand perspective. Now, he never actually saw anything, but he had some very weird conversations with people. He also, that same day after he got those phone calls, went to the base hospital, which was attached to the mortuary, and when he got there, saw two military police officers standing guard outside the entrance to the ER section of the hospital. And he went inside because... He was allowed to they all like people knew who he was, sure, and when he got inside, noticed that there were several high ranking officers milling about that wouldn't normally be there, and he ran into his uh his girlfriend that was a nurse at the hospital, okay sees her in the hallway, and she starts yelling at him like, "What the hell are you doing here? You gotta get out, you're gonna get us both in trouble, you're gonna get me killed." <laughs> You got to go. This commotion is noticed by the military police officers. They go grab him and escort him out. And he said, but let
1: me see them aliens right quick.
0: Well, she then called him later that day and told him that there were three alien bodies at the hospital. Damn. She said they had been found about a mile or two away from a crashed craft and that they were then brought to the hospital. One two of them were dead and one was like real fucked up. Got it. They met in person a couple days later to talk about it. She told him basically the same story. Yep. She leaves saying that she's sick and has to go back to the hospital. Okay. Dennis never hears from her again.
1: Oh no, point of separation, bud! Uh-huh. Point of separation! <laughs> what, if you've learned anything from this show?
0: Point of separation. Never sees her again, writes to her at one point, and his letter gets returned to him marked deceased. Oh, yikes! hmm Again. Allegedly. But
1: at least according... Good story. According to Dennis... According to someone who wants to put their name behind it. Yeah.
0: right. He's at least speaking for himself saying, This happened to me. I I heard this. I had these conversations. This happened to me. Again. Let me get
1: that letter, bro. Of
0: course. Yeah, exactly. There's no, in 70 years, not a single piece of physical evidence of any of these, like the main story or the tangential stuff, none of it has ever shown up. There are a hundred people who've who've said, I saw wreckage. I I handled wreckage. My dad had some in a cigar box in his closet. Oh, that's cool. And none of it has ever shown up. And most of these stories originated when Friedman and others started interviewing people in the 80s about this stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Right. So now we're 30 years later. You've got somebody coming around asking a bunch of questions, and that's what all of this stuff is based on. Yeah. Except, yes. maybe the Majestic Twelve documents. Give me one.
1: Are we going all the way into Majestic
2: Twelve I
0: don't
1: today? Oh. I'll I'll do it quick. Uh, do you, we can't do Majestic Twelve? Yes, quick. we
0: can because it's nonsense.
1: Oh, man, this you is disagree? the What If podcast. I mean, if
0: you if you have thoughts on Majestic 12 being legit, I would love to hear them.
1: I don't have enough that are well-researched <laughs> at this point for me to actually contradict you. Okay, here's what I think about Majestic 12. Yeah, great. I think, well, should we, we should talk about them first before I say what I think about
0: them. Uh, Majestic 12 is allegedly a group of scientists and military personnel, 12 of them, couple of government folks in
1: there. It would have been great if it was 11 or 13 and they called themselves the Majestic 12.
0: Formed in 47 by executive order of President Truman with the goal of figuring out the craft and stuff that crashed at Roswell.
1: Yeah. These and documents
0: were, they showed up in again in 1984 uh, when they were just mailed to a TV producer's house. Yes. We don't know where they came from. We don't know if they're legit or not. We don't know why it took 35 years for them to show up or why they were mailed to a random TV producer on a roll of film. Yeah. But it's a bunch of pages of documents talking about alien technology and recovered crash stuff, and um, you can actually download all of them from the FBI's website. Oh, the FBI has them up. Yeah, the vault.gov thing. Pretty wild, the stuff that they allow to just... (laughs) Well, they've written over, like, diagonally in huge
1: letters across every page, bogus. Oh, that's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the watermark is the bogus watermark.
0: It's handwritten in like Sharpie. It's not a watermark. It's not a watermark. Somebody just wrote bogus as big as they could across every page.
1: And the reason they had to do that was because for what it's worth, the actual documents themselves are relatively good knockoffs of military documents of the time. There's a lot of Issues
0: as there's, well. Yeah, there's not exactly a consensus, but I think most people think they're fake.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Stanton Friedman does not. Oh, really? Yeah. And I love me some Stan well, Friedman. At least in the nineties he
0: didn't. I think he may have changed his stance later, but he okay. talks at length about them in the Crash at Corona book
1: and is a supporter of them. Oh. To to what end is he a supporter of them? He thinks they're genuine. But like, what's his uh what of them makes him believe in them um
0: he i think it to summarize i think he doesn't believe there's a way to prove it either way convincingly okay uh because there's just not enough information right they're they're not originals so you can't date the ink or paper or anything like that right he also didn't think that any of the discrepancies that other people point to were necessarily discrepancies or, uh, they weren't sufficient. Meaningful discrepancies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Like people point to like the date formatting and that, that wouldn't have been the way that they formatted things. And at that location at that time. Right. And he's found other documents that are for sure legit that are formatted the same way. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, a, a lot of people point to, I forget, who it was but there's like a memo from an officer dated a certain date and that officer was known to be out of the country. Mm. Friedman says he wouldn't have written that memo himself anyway. Those memos were almost always assembled by someone's staff. He wouldn't have actually written it. So it would have been like a dictated and then sent. Yeah he had linguists analyze it compared to stuff that he knew that officer had written and they said that it, the voice matched it and stuff like that. Interesting.
1: I, I guess that, I guess the reason I like but, the majestic 12 stuff is because
0: just widely considered to be a hoax.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, if they are fake, which I acknowledge, like they're pretty far out, but they're done extremely well. Like if you download yeah. them and you look at them and you look at the formatting and you look at the, the different combined documents and correspondence and like it's a, it is an extremely elaborate hoax. That's part of Friedman's argument too, is that
0: if someone hoaxed this, they knew what they were doing. They yeah. would have had access to information that the average person did not right?
1: because so they someone, had to get the like the formatting correct. You had to know how military correspondence worked. and like yeah. even if the dating was slightly different, you were getting like stamps correct. and because it is, it's like stamped and things are signed. And like it like it's really elaborate, yeah. I, I think he maybe
0: comes down to eventually, like, even if this is, even if these specific documents are hoaxed, the information in here is probably right. Mm. I know. I, I'm not saying I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's most a leap. people I'm, most people don't agree with him on that stuff and I again, I think he may have changed his opinion later in later. life. Um, I'm reading an old version of this book. Yeah, yeah. Or well, it was written a long time ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I um I would like to at some point read all of them. I have not read all of them. I have read chunks of them. I just find them very interesting because it does feel like like, if someone did all that work to send a roll of film to a TV producer and nothing came of it, like that is a, I mean, we're talking about probably months of work to make these papers. I, I don't really know. I mean, I can't, I guess I can't. I'm just hypothesizing. I mean, it's like. Again though, like why, well, whatever. Why a roll of film? uh potentially more believable that they weren't yours and you were able to photograph them yeah but also, also makes it impossible to really analyze them fully totally it's also easier to spoof uh we printed these on paper that we bought at office max down the street like yeah i guess that's what i'm saying it, it yeah it's it's easier to spoof the reality of the whole thing uh, that was a really long way of saying that's why they felt the need to write bogus across all of them because they're done so well and they are so specifically executed that yeah you, they could be misconstrued as real. They,
0: I mean, they did an investigation or the Office of Special Investigations in the Air Force uh, reviewed these at one point and wrote in their summary, quote, uh, Copy, or sorry, the Office of Special Investigations is from their report, uh, advises that the document was fabricated. Copies of that document have been distributed to various parts of the United States. The document is completely bogus. Mm. Word. So I think that was another part of it was like, this was not just given to one person. It was eventually given to a bunch of people in a way that seemed maybe strategic in terms of like. Influencer mm-hmm. education, Again, maybe some disinformation angles going on. Sure.
1: Um, Linda Moulton Howe thinks they're real for whatever that's worth. Well, now I think they're fake. <laughs> so I can't agree with her on literally anything that's ever existed.
0: Uh, all right. If it wasn't aliens. Yep. Well, first of all, do you think it was aliens? No. Okay. I don't. I think
1: I'm mostly with you. I wish it was aliens, but I don't think it was aliens. Do you want to know? Okay, this is probably... I'm going to caveat another thing I'm about to say. It's stupid. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, From all of the descriptions and photographs of what was found, I feel like nothing I've seen or heard described of the crash feels like interstellar alien technology. Yeah. Like, oh, there was a paper that was really hard to tear. It's like, okay. You're building spaceships out of paper? That's what I'm saying, exactly. (laughs) And tinfoil and sticks? Exactly. There were (laughs) sticks. It's like, fucking okay. I mean, like, yes, I agree. I do not know what they could possibly be capable of if they are intelligent beings from other dimensions or other galaxies well, or whatever. But I, when I hear those descriptions of what was found, I'm like, that sounds like a middle school art project that does it, not sound like an interstellar craft that carried multiple individuals.
0: It's so at odds with the descriptions of people who claim to have seen the craft and the aliens. They're describing like a big metal... Right, saucer spaceship, like we think of with a UFO right, stuck into the side of a hill, right, which is like completely different, and even if it had so a it didn't break up above the ground because it was intact enough to stick into the side of a hill, yes, and if it did, we would have been finding big chunks of metal because you're describing a big metal thing, mm-hmm. and we're finding tinfoil and sticks, right, right,
1: uh. That right. No, that's that's my take. Is like that's why I feel like it's not it is not uh in any way congruent with what I would assume would be found if there was Yeah. I just have such a hard time with the timing of all of it too. Like Related to World War II or what?
0: No, that this story was somehow successfully buried for 33 years and then suddenly now we all know that there were aliens and a UFO and... Right. The only way that we know it is because a guy who we know was lying about UFOs interviewed a bunch of people. Right. I, uh, right, right, right. Show me one one thing that isn't a secondhand account. Show right. me one piece of physical evidence or even one person who actually saw something and can describe it in any meaningful way
1: sure you know what i think the the best and i think the best piece of evidence and i think the primary reason why this story has lived on and on and on and taken on the life that it has is it's the newspaper page it's the front page yeah of a city's newspaper that uses the phrase flying saucer found like that.
0: Well, and I think that's why people were so drawn to it in the eighties, because you don't have other examples of that, especially exactly. coming
1: from your source as a press release from the army. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that's, and to me, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is, is it's like, it legitimizes it in a way that no other evidence, no other situation legitimizes it. Yeah. And so I think like people, even though that lasted 24 hours, but, right. Yeah. But that but pointing back at that, you know, microfiche of that one head, like one headline on the front page of a you know, of a state's newspaper was enough for most people to go this happened, the news said it happened and everything after they said it happened is a cover up. Yeah. Instead of because going Because also
0: like, you know, Our government lies and covers stuff up. (laughs) Preach. They've (laughs) acknowledged as much at this point. Yeah. Like we have now, at least, and I think that's part of it too. Like now we have so many legitimate reasons not to trust our government and our military. In the 40s, I don't think that was the case for most people. Sure. So I think this story really started to catch on in the 80s, 90s, 2000s when we were like, oh, wait, we are doing some. Wild shit and lying to our citizens about it. Right. What else are they maybe lying up to us about when and they for co- how long? Yeah. And, and when they
1: corrected that take about uh flying saucer became a weather balloon, that seems like that could have been a lie too. Right. Yeah. All right, dude. We did it. Roswell, I'm sure everyone's gonna yell <laughs> at us. We solved it. We solved it.
0: We're just you know what? No one's going to yell at us. We're just going to get like a few corrections in the Facebook group from Rob, like we do whenever we talk about UFOs. That's also... And we will appreciate those and signal boost Rob's actual knowledge of these things. Instead of our breath and fuckery. And we'll move on.
1: Preach. That's exactly what we'll do. (laughs) Hey y'all Thank you for listening To the show We appreciate y'all For being here So goddamn much uh, yeah. We got a couple quick things To tell you about Number one Los Angeles Go to Whatifpodcast.com Coming for that ass Slash LA We're coming for that ass We're gonna be at the satellite On October 30th Doing a live episode With comedy from Dave Stone And Ian Abramson And it's gonna be Fucking sick And you should be there We really need your support So go to Whatifpodcast.com Slash LA Get your tickets Uh also, Spencer is right. Join the Facebook group. We're at like a thousand people in that motherfucker. We oh, hang out and yeah. post memes and talk about the show. Spencer and I are in there posting photos of our fucking dogs and shit. It's dope. You should join us there. Uh, we're at What If Pod on all our social medias. If you want to leave a review, go to iTunes and do that. We love hearing from y'all. We love hearing what you think about the show. If you want to leave us a voicemail, 612 612-246-4614. We get your emails and we love them. It's hi at whatitpodcast.com. See you
2: next week. Hey, I've got a voicemail.